prayer today. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, that you just please be with this service. Thank you this morning for the visitors that came. I ask you, Lord, just to continue to work in things hard. And Lord, also Jeff, I just pray that you just please change your hearts. If they don't know Christ, Lord, I pray that you come to that realization today. I also ask you, Heavenly Father, that you just please bless, uh, Lord, those that couldn't make it tonight. Uh, there are some that are taking relatives back. And also, uh, I think both Sam with his uh, family and Jeff, just give them grace. May Sam be able to witness to his nephews and nieces. I also pray for Tony and Sabrina to give them safety. taking your seats you go ahead and turn to our next song which is 232 tell me the story of jesus page number 232 Willie, could you do me a favor get my ipad take your brother with you page 232 tell me the story of jesus right on my heart every word tell story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sing as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to Casting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted. Homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell me the old, old Jesus, right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Verse 3. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while ye whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Amen. What good singing today. Again, I hope you had a good afternoon. I'm totally I'm blessed to hear some good good reports. I'm thankful for the two visitors that came this morning. Paula was able to bring out her brother Jeff. And I was able to talk to him for a little bit. But the other guy, Ben, sat right behind Cecilia there. 
he was a really good encouragement to me. Um, I think he's saved. I think he knows Christ. Uh, grew up in a missionary Baptist church out in North Carolina. And he's just looking to get back in church and find a good church to be a part of. So I'm excited for him. He said he'd be back. So sometimes people tell you that. Dee and Dennis, they came back, but that didn't scare him away too much. Tried. Tried really hard. But uh, we're thankful for our visitors and, and for folks that come. Again, it's just a blessing. Just a couple announcements. Again, don't forget our potluck and game night. That's coming up this next week, as well as Brother Barker's preaching. And if you can, remember to bring maybe a love offering for him. Uh, again, he, that's how he is able to uh, continue to preach around the country, fuel his vehicle, and uh, be able to uh, do the evangelistic Responsibilities that he has. September 4th is Labor Day at my house, so we have a barbecue. Everybody's invited. Uh, just make sure we have a sign-up sheet yet. No sign-up sheet? All right. We will have a sign-up sheet or no? Just text some, text Sister Cassie if you're coming. Uh, just make it a little informal. And then September 16th, uh, Sabrina and Tony are going to be getting wed. So you say, I thought they were wed. Well, they both, um, uh, God put them through a series of events saved, and they were divorced, and got saved, and now they want to get back together again, so we're so excited for them, so keep playing, praying for those folks as they go through with that. Again, uh, we do have a, a conference coming up in Menominee Falls, again, the registration for that is $95 until September 11th, and it's 115 after that. Uh, just a couple things, just keep in your prayers and your uh, thoughts, again, uh, keep on being faithful in your witness, uh, I can't stress it enough, the most important thing that this church can way you can show God that you're serious is be obedient. Say, okay, God, absolute surrender. Whatever you want, I'm going to do. So I hope that's your goal and your aim tonight. All right, that's about it as far as announcements are concerned. Let's go ahead and turn to our last song for tonight. Let's stand together as we sing the love of God, page number 188. Let's stand together as we sing this last song. shall forever 
He might have told you and didn't tell me. I, he just said pray that they're working on a foster. He didn't tell me much more than that. Um, okay. I'm going to continue to pray for him and his wife. I know that's a big burden. We always wanted to have a child and uh, couldn't have one. Got married a little bit later in life. Um, but just pray for them as they're looking forward to possibly taking this child and uh, the opportunity there to raise him up for the Lord. Uh, secondly, just pray also they can sell the trailer. I guess he, his mom broke her arm. So, or broke it. I think it's broke. Uh, it might be sprained. Is it broke? So it's a broke. It's a little foggy to read the text, but uh, he said that it's broke. So just pray for her as well. It'll be healed. Um, again, it's it's hard. I don't know how old she is. She's probably close to your mom's age, right? Yeah. I know Oscar is the youngest of the family, and and he's probably close to fifty something. So again, just continue to pray for these folks. All right, Sister Kim's been, she's been urging me all week. She's trying to get me to get into Philemon, except she gave me Philippians, and I thought, well, I just have to preach on Philippians chapter 4, so let's turn there today. Philippians chapter 4. This morning we spoke on the idea of um, the three tests of Christian fellowship, and uh, that was basically dealing with the idea of those that are walking with Christ and those that are not. Um, every person here should be uh, desirous to have a relationship with Christ. The question is, is what do you do with your time? What do you do with uh, your free time? Is it all about you? Is it all about spending time in God's Word? All about spending time with the Bible and prayer time? It's important. But today we're going to talk about Christ, who is our strength and our supply. We're going to go through the complete chapter of Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry, it's not a long one. I think it's only like 29 verses, but Philippians chapter 4 and verse 29 is where we're going to begin reading, and I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless this message today. Heavenly Father, I ask you through your great guidance, Lord, that you would just please help me to preach. I know sometimes we get uh, Lord, wrapped up with all earthly desires and counsels, and Lord, sometimes we just forget that, Lord, the most important thing we have here is your word, and the most important thing we can do is study. I just ask you Please help us to really rest upon it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians, 
Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. A couple things about Philippians. Uh, uh, this is written to Philippi, and you see in verse 1, the Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. And again, these were to the saints. These were two believers is who it was written to. Sister Kim reminded me today, uh, as we were, before we even got into the service, that Philippians was written when? Prison. Well, Paul was in prison. So I want you to have that mindset, okay? When you're having a hard day and you're thinking, well, God just doesn't care. You're, at least you're not in prison, okay? Paul could be able to still sing God's praises even in prison, and I'm thankful for his testimony in the situation. So we find here in Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of my mind, you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun, you, begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of the com confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm Philippians chapter 1. I'm going around, I'm not even reading the whole thing. All right, verse 4, verse chapter 1, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech uh, Syntyk that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last of your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to be abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that ye may abound to your account. For I have all and abound. I am full and having receiving of Epaphroditus, the things which are sent from you in order of the sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all my needs, all your needs, according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All saints salute you chiefly. And, and 
again, this idea that Paul is dealing with here is worry. You think about Paul for a second. As we mentioned already, he was in prison. Okay, uh, It's not like the prisons we have nowadays. Uh, I'll be honest with you. The prisons we have nowadays are kind of rough. But they're get most of them get three squares a day. Um, I don't know. Probably your sister, she probably could attest to that, right? Uh, they feed them well. Um, for the most part, they're taking... Right. It's very basic, absolutely, but it is it is sustaining. Um, and I don't know. I've never been in prison. Hopefully, hopefully, never have to be in prison. But I, I from what I've heard, for the most part, uh, it's not a uh, country club, but it definitely is a place that is not like Paul's prison. Uh, Paul's prison was damp. It was cold. Um, most of the places that we see today, uh, most of them have uh, at least heat. Um, Paul's prison was a lot different. Uh, he hungered, and many times he would have to be brought food from outside to actually sustain himself. And so we find here in this chapter where Paul is dealing with this, you would think that Paul would be just nothing but a basket case. He would be full of worry. But here he is in Philippians dealing with his love for the, for the saints, dealing with some important things. And uh, I read this story the other day, and Christians are no different. For several years, a woman having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared uh, thieves. One night, her husband heard a noise in the house, so she, he went downstairs to investigate. When he got there, he did find a thief, and he says, Good evening, said the man of the house. I'm pleased to see you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She has been waiting 10 years to meet you. And uh, I kind of chuckled at that. But really, that's kind of what we all get uh, uh, bothered about in the sense that basically... We're all worried about something that might never happen. Or maybe it's something that has happened and we can't change it. And uh, Paul was not that person. I, I believe God gave him that understanding. Uh, Paul talks about the secure mind. Uh, we have a society that has gone from security to anxiety and fear. I was doing a little research the other day and looking at the different sermons on our sermon audio. And um, we had at one time, praise God if you don't know Mohan Krishna... He was a part of our church for many years, and uh, he did go astray for a little bit, but he's back now. He's actually going to the old church that Tony and uh, Sabrina went to, and got to, I got to talk to him. And what a blessing it was to see him, how he had finally turned back to Christ and got saved. And so I was so excited to see him, but he, when he was at our church, he had done a little newscast, podcast called Anxiety. You know what the top listen thing on our sermon audio feed is? Anxiety that one podcast and I thought what an amazing aspect that is amazing aspect that people are so wrapped up in fear and anxiety the Bible even gives us the verse that he did not give us a spirit of fear but of love and joy and a sound mind and it can be very easy uh, if you understand why Paul had the secure mind it's because number one we find in chapter one that he had a submissive mind you cannot be able to have the right type of mindset until you're submitted to Christ. He had that spirit, the submissive spirit. And then he had, secondly, the second chapter we find in Philippians is that he had a spiritual mind. He had a spiritual mind. What is important about a spiritual mind? Well, first you need to submit to God, but secondly is a spiritual mind. You're allowing God to control your thoughts. In chapter 3, if you don't have a submissive mind, a spiritual mind... He warns you, you can never have a secure mind. 
And so we find in chapter 4, Paul dealing with the idea of having security. Uh, if you don't look at the first previous three chapters and claim the promises and provisions, you can never have this last chapter, which is super important. Our English word worry comes from an old word, which means to say to strangle. And worry certainly does strangle people physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually. We have some folks that we know of. Uh, I know of a young boy that's probably 16, 17 years old. No, I think he's younger than that. I think he's either 14 or 15. And he will not go out of the house whatsoever. He is fearful of everything around him. And it's basically has a strangled hold on him. He can't go to church. And in some ways, he's preventing his family from going to church because they're so concerned that he is concerned that they won't take him to church. And I'm sorry, I'm not saying that that fear is not real. I do believe that fear can overtake you. I believe fear makes you do funny things. When people are fearful, we saw what happened during COVID. Uh, people were fearful they were going to run out of toilet paper, right? And when you went to the, the supermarket and found no toilet paper in the aisle, you knew there was a problem, didn't you? Like, oh, man, where's all the toilet paper? And you see this guy over here, and he's got literally two or three shopping carts full of toilet paper. He's fearful. He's going to run. And I, I'll have to be honest with you. There was a point where I was a little fearful of running out of toilet paper. I have six girls in our five, well, six, a lady and five girls in my house. And I'm thinking, what in the world are we going to do without toilet paper? But praise the Lord, we got through that. And we have such a silly situation that we're talking about here. But the Bible term, be careful or be anxious, means to literally uh, not to be torn apart. You know, we have so many people that are so torn apart by the things of this world. They're torn about, about their, apart about their jobs. They're torn about, apart about their occupations. They're torn apart about their relationships. They're torn apart about politics. They're torn apart about everything. And listen, when you're trusting in those things, I can see why you'd be torn apart. I'd be the same way, and I have been the same way. I can say this with truth. When I spend a lot of time watching the news, I get fearful. When I see all the things that are going on in society today, I get fearful. And this is why it's important to be in the Word of God, as I mentioned this morning. We need to have this idea that no longer are we going to allow the world to tear us apart. But we need to have Christ put us back together. Don't let the world pull us in different directions. The mind thinks about problems and feeds additional feelings into the heart. And there is a vicious cycle that sets up and tears a person apart. I can think of one time my mom, she had uh, lost something. She, first of all, things she did was she started to jump to conclusions. She was blaming other people and every, everyone else that this, the reason why this was lost is because we weren't careful. Come to find out it was underneath her bed. It was nothing that we had to do with it. And I, I think about that illustration in the sense that our fear comes from our own selves. It comes from the devil feeding into it. Instead of having a trusting heart that God knows what's best, and God allowed this in my life for a reason, instead we allow ourselves to become torn apart by our own feelings. And listen, our feelings are given to us by our flesh, by Satan, by the world. They feed it to us in hopes that they will do, make us do things that are against the will of God. What do you think the devil did when he was in a serpent and he deceived Eve? What did he do? He played on Eve's feelings, did he not? He took that time to say, Eve, why do you do this? You should just go ahead and take this. God just doesn't want you to be like him. 
It's amazing as Christians we forget the importance that worry is not a Christian uh, trait. Worry is something that comes from the devil. Worry is something the world gives us. So what causes worry? Wrong thinking and feeling about persons, circumstances, or things. So let's go back to chapter 4. We'll find the first five verses talks about persons. And we find some interesting aspects here. We won't read those. We'll get into this eventually. Then we find 10 through 13 circumstances. And then 14 through 19, we find material things of life. Paul had a single mind in chapter 1, but listen, he got over the circumstances and had a submissive mind in chapter 2. He had victory over people and a spiritual mind in chapter 3 with victory over things. So it is easy for him to have that secure mind in chapter 4. If you have a secure mind, listen, it's nothing's going to cause you to uh, waver as the Bible talks about a uh, double-minded man in James is unstable in all his ways. How do you keep yourself secure in your relationship with Christ? It starts here in Philippians chapter 4. So I've got four, or four different things that I believe tonight that every Christian should have in order to have a secure mind. First of all, I want you to notice in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, is God's presence. God's presence. We can read uh, 1 through 5 together. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved... And long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech a united, Eudias, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Paul encouraged people to not just uh, be faithful, but be faithful to those people that were working hard in the church. He was giving them an understanding. Sometimes we forget uh, the, the idea that the Lord is at hand. And it doesn't just mean that, it's coming, that he is coming soon, but it is, he is near to help us right now. I mean, we've heard this, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is at hand. What does that really mean? It could mean that God is right there waiting for you to listen. We have so many opportunities to trust in the Lord, but instead, what do we do? We trust in our flesh. We trust in our, our emotions. We trust in our situation that we can do it. And God says, hey, I'm right here. Right? My wife, uh, she's, um, I'd say she's pretty expert in organization. And if I was standing over here in the corner and I was needed something really organized, she says, hey, I can help you, 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 I can help you. She's at hand, right? Uh, Brother Rolando's into, um, uh, he understands trees and plants and the environment. He's, he's got many years of, of education under his belt. But if he stands over here and I need to know something about a plant or something about a tree, uh, he's got a, probably a wealth of knowledge more than I could ever get. So I would look to him and say, hey, can you help me? I would be stupid to stand here and say, well, I guess there's no help. I guess I'm just going to have to trust in myself. I've gone to Sister Kim about some of her, her medical expertise, right? Uh, if I, if I said to Sister Kim, stand over the corner, she says, hey, I can help you. Hey, I can help you. Hey, brother, I can help you. Hey, and I'm still over there going, you know what? I don't know how to bandage this. I'm going to just try the best I can. It's leaking blood everywhere. I can't be able to handle it, you know? And, 
And she's saying, why is he doing that? I could do such a better, much better job for him. Isn't Christ the same way with us? We all day long are facing circumstances that Christ has all the expertise, all the knowledge to take care of. But yet we sit there like we can handle it. Christ wants us to understand that his presence is right there for us. His presence is right there for the taking. We must face things honestly and do what God wants us to do. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says here in verse eight, uh, 15, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto this... Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him this fault between thee and him alone. Yes. Um, and if he shall if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two, one or two uh, or more in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if you neglect to hear them, Tell it to the church. But if you know to hear the church, then let him be as a heathen man and a publican. I don't even know where this came from. That verse does not apply whatsoever, so forgive me. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that down. Forgive me. Uh, but Matthew, go back to Philippians 4. Philippians 4 and verse 5. It's talking about the idea of moderation. That moderate, moderation is sweet reasonableness. I think maybe that's what he's trying to, that I'm trying to get at here. The idea that as a Christian, we have an opportunity to either fly off the handle when someone offends us, or we can go back and deal with it in a right, sweet, reasonable way. You know, go take someone with you. Go take two people with you. And then finally, if it's still not taken care of, then what do you do? You take bring it before the church. There should be an opportunity for your mind and your your. Your mindset is someone who is reasonable about the things that God's giving. You're allowing for God's presence to have its way with you in every aspect of your life. Instead of fearing what one person might do to you or what one person might say about you, you're instead allowing for God to have that moderation or that sweet reasonableness in your heart. We have such a problem with people. We lose our mind over things. We get angry. We get upset. And when we do, guess what? God is not in the middle of it. We instead need to honor ourselves and say, God, how do you want me to act? How do you want me to live? It is wonderful when Christians can have convictions, yet be easy to get along with. If we keep in mind the Lord is with us in every circumstance, that then it's easy to obey him and get along with other people. If we would just rejoice in him and get our eyes off him and off of people, we would have the joy peace. Listen, and I, I'll, I'll be the first to say that as a Christian, I've had my fair share of arguments. I've had my fair share of people who were mad at me or angry at me. And I've found that sometimes in dealing with those situations, I have to give it to God. I can't allow myself to let me have full sway. And whenever I do, it always ends, well, it ends badly. Paul even says, note the admission here, he says, Stand fast in the Lord and be of one mind in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near at hand. Practicing the presence of Christ 
is seeing him in every situation of life. And that includes those people that you deal with every day. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Secondly, not only do we find God's presence, but secondly, we find God's peace. Let's read verses 6 through 9. The Bible says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I want you to point out God's peace. <laughs> the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. I think every Christian needs to be what? Careful for nothing. <laughs> you have any problem. You have any area of worry. That's when you have to say, get on your knees and say, God, please help me in this situation. He says, in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your re request be made known unto God. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, and founder of what is today known as the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, gave this excellent advice. Let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all, right into God's hand. And then, when we have given all over to Him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. When you give everything to God, you'll find there's nothing left to be troubled about, because it's all in God's hands. Uh, I've given this illustration before, but I think it's a great way to this. We all get into the car every day and we drive back and forth to work. But what happens when you get in the car and someone else is the driver? Especially if you drive a lot. My wife, I don't know, I'm, I've become a horrible backseat driver. It's just who I am. And I I have a hard time trusting my wife drive. Whoa, watch that guy over there. Slow down, we're going too fast. You're trailing him. You guys don't ever have that happen, do you? Spouse. A loved one in the car with you. Same way with a pilot. I struggle with flying. Now you say, why do you struggle with flying? They say it's the safest way to travel. I don't know that pilot. I don't know what he's been doing. I don't know if he got enough sleep the night before. I can sit there and worry all day long. Why? Because he's in the driver's seat and I'm not. Listen, Christian. Do you have that same fear with God? God's in the driver's seat. Our relationship with God should scream to us to say, I trust him, I love him, I know him, and he is the best person available to take care of my needs. How many times have you tried to take care of your needs and you end up flat on your face and you say, why didn't I just trust God in the first place? Why didn't I give God the chance to show who he is? The Bible says, peace with God is the result of faith in Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God and the presence of the peace of God will come when the believer practices three things. Right thinking, right living, and uh, right praying. Worrying and tension in mind and heart. The peace of God will guard you or garrison our hearts and the minds 
if we but meet the conditions he gives. So let's first of all take the first one, which is right praying. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Be careful in nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Secondly, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Right praying is always some aspects here. We can look at them real quickly. It says in verse 6, Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. All right? There is something to be said when we go into God and we have not really completely prepared our hearts to talk to Him. Let's say you go in and you want to talk to your children about something very serious. I just recently had a friend pass away that I knew in Bible college. And uh, I can't imagine this, but um, the wife, the widow, came to the pastor and says, she says, can you tell my children that he's passed away? I can't imagine putting myself in that situation. I can't imagine having to do it. It was, a, it was, a, it was an accident, or not an accident, he had a heart attack. He was only like 48 years old. You'd have to say, you know what? These kids are going to be hurting. These kids are going to be struggling. These kids were under the age, most of them were under the age of 14 years old. It's so sad when he had to go to them and talk to them. But when you go before your Heavenly Father, have you prepared your heart? Have you asked the Lord to give you grace to deal with things? Have you took the time possible to deal with who He is? Is he the great God that he is? Have you spent time worshiping, adoring his name? Have you spent time saying, God, I need your help today? Have you talked about his attributes in front of you? Have you worshiped him? You know, you wouldn't go before uh, the president of the United States with disheveled and looking like garbage and, and speaking all kinds of slang and curse words, would you? I hope you wouldn't say curse words. You're a Christian. But, you know... You wouldn't expect that out of anyone. Why? The President of the United States is a respectable human being, right? He's someone you should respect. It's no different with God. Actually, it's even more so. God is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of you and me. When you're coming before him, you need to have the right type of prayer. As I said, it begins with adoration. The word prayer means, in verse 6, this is love, enjoying the presence of God, honoring him in worship, rushing into his presence, begging for peace of mind. We must bow before him in worship. Number two, then there's supplication. That means earnest, sincere desire of the heart. When you're suppl suppl coming before God in supplication, what are you doing? You're coming before God and saying, God, I if you had someone that you could take every day and ask for things and you could say, and they would supply them, wouldn't you be very, very uh, urgent, especially if it's something that's right around the corner and you need it, seriously need it? How would you talk to them? Would you talk to them, oh, well, you know what, I don't got time. Now, if you could, you know, maybe, right? But they have already promised you, we'll take care of it every time you ask. With the type of supplication, boy, you better come to him not only with the right spirit, but also with the right type of, uh, of speech. 
talking to him with an earnest spirit. It's not just something that you say from the lips, but it's also something that comes from the heart. I think a lot of times we don't see our prayers answered because God knows that we're not really serious. God hears our prayer, but he also knows that we're not trusting him. We're doing our own thing. And lastly, there's an appreciation or thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also called in one body, and what? Be ye thankful. If we're going to ever see the peace of God in our hearts, we need to start with the right type of trait. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. Admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Seeking with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving what? Thanks to God. As he did aforetime. Secondly, not only do we need to have the right type of praying. But we also have to have the right type of thinking. Peace involves the mind. You ever have a wrong thought? God wants us to know that our thoughts are right. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. How many times have you got yourself in a wondering match, thinking about all kinds of unfruitful things that are not going to help you, but they're going to discourage you. And you sit there and just think, and you're dwelling. And before long, about that and you're just dwelling on it break the cycle say God change my mind and you got a spirit of anger and a spirit of anger can you go to God and say God please change my mind change my thinking pattern man sometimes we have so much I think that's why people today won't even uh, they won't quit playing their music 24 7 Because they don't want to be left alone with their own thoughts. You go to some houses and they have a TV playing 24-7. Why? They don't want to be left alone with their own thoughts. Christian, listen to me. We should never, ever allow for Satan to have complete control over our mind. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Even in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, As he thinketh, so is he. Are you that person? Are you someone who completely allows your thoughts to control how you live? Listen, let it not be. If we want the peace of God upon our life and the presence of God in our life, we need to have the right type of thought life. Listen, thoughts can be provoking. They can lead us down a path of sin. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Listen, kids. You wonder why you have a problem with your sister. You wonder why you have a problem with your brother. The reason why is because you're overwhelmed with the thought life of bitterness and anger. You need to ask God to forgive you. Every Christian should be acknowledging the aspect that he is in control, even to the point of very thoughts that we live. 
Paul tells us in this verse of Psalms chapter, or in Psalms chapter 19, not Paul, but David tells us in Psalms 19, 7 through 9, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What is driving this person that's, that you're reading here? What's driving King David? He's always talking about the law of God. When you have wrong thoughts, maybe it's time to pull out that Bible app on your phone. Or maybe it's time just to pull out the Bible and say, God, please change my thought patterns. Not only let me pray well, but Lord, change my thoughts. You can, get, you can be someone that has a, a understanding of the will of God. But if you don't allow for God to change your thoughts, your mind, your attitude, guess what? You're going to continue to drive towards that. It's going to have an effect upon your life. Thirdly, we need to have some type of right living. I think there is something to be said of someone who is living a life that's contrary to the will of God. But there's something to be said that who is living a life that's what God wants him to do. Right living always brings. It's interesting when you deal with someone who's been living a life of sin. I've seen it in my own family. Not this family, but I've seen when someone gets right with God, how different it changes their spirit in my own life. When you start taking away those things that keep us from God, when you start acknowledging and you're surrendering to God, those things you know that are preventing you from talking to Him, fellowshipping with him, you will find that you'll have your you'll have the right thoughts, you'll have the right prayers. Why? Because you've surrendered to him. You've given it over. You're saying, I'm not in charge of this, God. You are. One of the things I think we have a hard time as Christians to do is sacrifice. And when I say sacrifice, I mean giving up things that we know are against the will of God, but we enjoy them. We enjoy television. We enjoy Facebook. We enjoy our social lives. We enjoy uh, outside activities that are contrary to the house of God. We enjoy everything else. And the problem is, is the reason we enjoy it and we don't want to sacrifice is because we have not completely surrendered to God. And we wonder when we can't see God's blessing on our life. When we can't see God's blessing on our children. When we can't see God's blessing on our church. And most importantly, we can't see God blessing our spiritual life. Christian, you have a great opportunity to live the right life. You can turn to God. We find, turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 3. Says ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Verse 4. The adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and pur purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Isn't it interesting 
that Paul or that James uses the same style here in Philippians. The first thing he talks about is what? Wrong praying. Not the right type of praying. Asking for your lusts. Number two, the adulterers and adulteresses. Wrong type of living. And then number three, we find in verse eight, the wrong type of thinking. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God gives that, or James and, and Paul gives the parallel there, saying, listen, there's three aspects of your Christian life that you cannot go without. You need to have both, right, or all three, you need to have right living, right thinking, right praying for God to give you the presence, for God to have the peace. We don't submit to the, the will of God. We miss the last thing. Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13 which is God's power God's power Philippians 4 10 says but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again wherein you were also careful but ye lacked opportunity not that I speak in respect to want for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content I know both how to be abased and know how to abound everywhere in all things I am instructed to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need I can do all things with what? Strengtheneth me. Everybody knows that verse. Who was it? The real popular um, basketball player that put Philippians 4.13 on his gym shoes. I forget his name now. But one of them, I think he played for the L.A. Clippers. He had this verse put on his shoes. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul was never a victim. Think about that for a second. The modern-day Christian, remember what Paul said, I was shipwrecked, right? I was thrown into prison. I was stoned. One time he was stoned so bad, God resurrected him. You hear Paul going, oh, these Christians nowadays, they just don't get it. Oh, I've got to do all this, and nobody's helping me. Oh, I've got all these responsibilities, and oh, I, just, I, I just want to have a little relaxation. Paul wasn't saying that, was he? Was he a victim? He says, God is my strength. God is my help. God is my provision. God is the one that's going to get me through it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He knew the absolute ability to have peace is to allow for God to strengthen him, not for him to be the strengthener. He wasn't a victim of his circumstances. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13, we find, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. You know what will eliminate a lot of the anxiety and the fear that we find today in our lives is the absolute ability to say, God is my strength, he is my help. And every time you get that desire of fear and anxiety in your heart, you cry out to God and say, God, please help. And he strengthens you. I, I do believe, and I, and I, I do, I, I sympathize with those that have gone through this philosophy the world has given that you can't overcome fear. You can't. It's just the way it is. The bottom of my Bible tells me differently. The Bible says in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to do, to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
sought to do in your good pleasure, but his good pleasure. God wants to work in you, but you have to be surrendered to him. Paul understood through prayer, he through understood through right thinking, he understood through right living, that Christ could do the work that he can do. We need to not only do it through his word, listen, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, let's turn there. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, there we go. First Thessalonians 2.13. The Bible says here, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. We have to understand that God cannot work through us until first he works in us. And he works through us through his word. You want God's strength? Get the source of his strength. His word. God sanctifies us by his word. He sets us apart by his word. I gave the verse this morning in Psalms 119, 19-11. How shall a young man cleanse his way? You guys all remember that. What did he say? Taking heed thereto according to thy word. You want to be fear, you want to be free of fear and worry and anxiety, get in God's word. As I've already said, you're going to find that meditation is your number one best friend when it comes to dealing with anxiety and fear. Worry is always going to be there. It's always going to be sitting there. If you give into it, you're the one that's at fault. God has given us his word. And prayer, turn your Bible, prayer in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. The Bible says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle of wall, petition, partition between us. Jesus Christ is our peace. And the only way you're going to find it is by getting over through prayer with the Spirit. If we depend on our own power, we will fail. But through Christ, His strength, we can do what He wants us to do. <laughs> this is why Paul, as I already mentioned before, was rejoicing in prison. Think about that for a second. He was says, and again I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. How many times when you're in a bad situation are you clicking your heels together and saying, thank you Jesus? Now, when we have an answer to prayer or we see something great happen, we're going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. But can you say the same thing about trials as Paul did? Rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We get down in the heart. We get back. Boy, I'm telling you, this is so convicting to me. This is something I need to deal with. We get so wrapped up in our own 
ideology of how things should operate. Really, God's just the one in control. He's saying, just listen. Slow down. Cool your heels. Give me a chance to work. Trust me. Let me be your strength. And we find God's provision. This is chapter uh, chapter three or four, verses fourteen through twenty-three. The Bible says, "Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction." Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. For I have all and abound, I am full, and having received Aphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me, greet you. All saints salute you chiefly. Here we find the last aspect of the four things to have a secure mind. And that is the third, or the fourth thing, which is God's provision. Trusting in God. We can always worry about things. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to take care of the rent? How are we going to take care of the mortgage? How are we going to pay the car note? How are we going to pay the insurance? Things are always going to be a part of our life. But, but as Jesus told us on the Sermon on the Mount, we must not worry about things. We just let God do the provide for us, supply the needs. Paul had peace in his heart concerning his personal needs. He not only thanks the Philippians for God, had promised to supply all of them their gifts. And assures them that the spiritual meaning of their gifts is far more important to him than the gifts themselves. Paul understood that it wasn't the fact that he had these needs because he knew God would take care of them, but he knew the importance of the gifts that it was due to the Philippians. Their giving was going to see blessing. God was going to bless them spiritually, financially. Some way, God was going to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. And it might not have been apparent for a long time. We don't know. But God says, he'll take care of you. Paul says, he'll take care of you. Trust in me. <laughs> well, it's blessing to know that God's gifts are looked upon as spiritual sacrifices that rejoice his heart as well as ours. I think Christians, they become, and myself included, they become attached to the money. They've been attached to um, things. And really, it's nothing but idol worship. If you can't give it up, then why have it? It's controlling you. It's telling you how to live. Every Christian should be satisfied with what God gives him. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm preaching this to myself as well. There's always going to be the flesh that's kicking back at you and saying, you know, you don't need to sacrifice that. You don't give, need to give up that time. You don't need to give up that money. You're in control of your, uh, your life. Paul believed in the providence of God. Whatever God gave and put on their hearts, he would take care of them, no matter what came. When a child of God is in the will of God, all of the universe works for him. But when he is out of the will of God, everything works against him. We have a great opportunity as having a 
high priest that cannot be touched. Talked about that a couple weeks ago. The fillings of our infirmities, but it was all pointed toward tempted like as we are yet without sin. That high priest is willing to answer our prayers, take care of our needs, and provide for us. But yet we we act like that high priest is not there. We act like Jesus Christ is not here to provide. And it actually works against us when we choose not to sacrifice to God. We choose to sacrifice only when we feel like sacrificing. So not only do you miss out on the blessing of giving, but you also miss out on the blessing of what God has for you. (laughs) Boy, I tell you what, this is a lesson well learned. I hope tonight you're looking for a secure mind realize that you can find it in God's provision. You can find it in God's power. You can find it in God's peace. And you also can find it in the power of God. Every Christian here can find it. It doesn't take much, but you have to be able to surrender and sacrifice to God and say, God, it's yours. My life, my thoughts, my attitude, my time, my money, everything is yours. Mueller said in the beginning, I said here, if we just give it all to him, what do we have to worry about? It's all in his hands. All right, we're going to have a short time of invitation. If God spoke to your heart, I encourage you to make a decision. Chloe or Cassie's going to come and play for an invitation. Maybe you're here tonight and you've heard the message and you're saying, no, I'm not sacrificing. I'm definitely not surrendering. Well, guess what? You're also missing out on some of the great blessings that God can Take some time and say, Lord, is there something that I'm missing here? Am I not being faithful and surrendering to you? Am I not being faithful and surrendering my life, my things, my ideas, my thoughts, my prayer time to you? Is it all about me or is it all about you? Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just bless this short invitation. God, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, may they come to know him today. Bless this week.